the old rhyme that kind of, in fact, say it with me. Let's say it this way. Cam and Jen sitting in a tree. I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby and the baby carry. Well, I found that's not completely true. I have found that first comes love, then marriage, then communication. All right? As you can see, they thought they were communicating, but they were just thinking it. And then after you get married, you go, is this the person I really married that I thought I was marrying? So truth is, we are communicating what we think, what we are thinking, but we aren't uh, sure about what we communicated until after we're married. And then we realize, is this the same person I had coffee with a year ago or whatever? All right. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Father, we just pray you'll bless uh, these these words this morning. We pray you'll bless this sermon. Pray every one of us will be changed for your glory. We'll leave here different than we came in. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk about uh, love, marriage, and communication. And uh, there are four levels of communication that researchers who study human behavior have come up with. So on your notes, take these down, jot these down. Four levels of communication. First one, surface communication. These are just cliches where we use the words, how you doing? And we answer, fine, good to see ya. Well, see you later, have a great day. In other words, we really don't want to talk to you, okay? And so we keep going. We don't intend to have any more conversation at that point. Now, the second one goes a little deeper. So write this down. This is called general information. This is where some of you live in your marriages and in your friendships, and that is information uh, passed on that's general. So you might say, Johnny has a test tomorrow. Make sure he studies tonight. Uh, I'm going to work out tonight after, after work, so I'll be home a little late. It's just very general, nothing specific, but you're passing on inf information, but it's, it's still just, okay, fine. So the next one goes a little deeper. This is called deep feelings. And uh, this is where I'm going to give you the six most romantic words in the world for men. Write this down. How did that make you feel? Women, this was your chance. Come on. Or the four most romantic words. And then what happened? All right? Now, boy, you guys are a little different. I've got to wake you up this morning. Come on, guys. We're talking about love here. Come on, you should be excited. And this is what I've learned about feelings. Feelings are not always right, but they feel, let me, they're always real, all right? So many times the person who has the feelings uh, knows that they aren't right, but it doesn't discount that they're having them anyway. So one of the things that we can do when there's a conflict is listen to the other person's feelings. I think the best way to show you this is a video that we've seen before, but I think it fits perfect here. So please watch this little clip. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. and. I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. You know, well, you do have a name.
was not about the mail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Come on, that's worth an applause by itself. Come on. I've watched that video so many times. I could watch it over and over again. It's just really good. So, anyway, it's it's the feelings are real, even if they're really not. Uh, don't make sense, all right? Here's the ultimate one, number four, the ultimate level of communication, and this is where we begin to share our deep needs. Uh, let me tell you what I need is, is the favorite phrase there, and the greatest marriages and friendships is where uh, this takes place. It's where you really do understand your spouse's deepest needs, and the truth is 90% of marriages don't know their spouse's needs. I get people, people in my office, and they're, they're getting married, and I'll say, okay, tell me what flips the switch of the person you're marrying. So give me, give me the topic, and most of the time, the guy doesn't really know at all, but he'll say, uh, marriage, that's what flips. Yeah, she's planning the wedding. That's an obvious thing. Do you have anything else other than that? Not right at the moment, but you'll tell the girl what, it, what flips the switch of the guy. Sports, uh, cars. She, uh, uh, she'll know it all, but, but the guy has not a clue, all right? So the greatest marriages is where the needs of the other person is being met by the one they love. Now, obviously, there are barriers to communication, and doctors, uh, I think it's Markman and Stanley, have over 20 years of research and came up with the four barriers of communication, and they found out these are the number one causes of divorce. Four barriers of communication. Number one, withdrawal. This is where conflict arises and your tendency is to shut the whole thing down. This is where you say, that's it. Don't say anything else. Just don't talk to me and keep your hands off me. And then you just physically withdraw and go for a walk, take a drive. And this is where you do the old silent treatment. How many have ever experienced the, or given the silent treatment? Now anyone knows when you do the silent treatment, when you're married, you can't touch each other when you're in bed. It doesn't happen. You, 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 you hug your side of the bed, and even if a heel touches, you lose. So you, there's no touching. So you not only don't talk, you don't touch, or you lose. I heard this story about this couple who were in the middle of a silent treatment fight, and neither one of them wanted to lose. So the next morning, the husband needed to catch a flight out early in the morning. Uh, in fact, he needed to leave the house at 5 a.m., but he didn't want to lose the silent treatment fight, so he just wrote a little note and put it where she would brush her teeth before bed, and on the note, he wrote this, I need, to, I need you to get me up at 5 a.m. for my flight tomorrow, and that way he avoided talking to her. 
Well, the next morning he woke up at 9 a.m. And on his nightstand was a little note that said, Get up, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> I have found us men are not equipped for such battles. All right, here's the second barrier. Number two, escalation. This is now where tempers begin to flare, your voice is getting louder, which, by the way, does not work. Even if you get your way, uh, his or her heart will close up uh, and you still lose. So researchers say when a man's heart rate, when a man's heart rate goes above 100 beats per minute, he loses all ability to have rational thought and nothing will come out of his mouth, even what, if he's trying to say something smart, it won't work, which will lead you to this third level where words turn to where you hurt other people. All right, and this is called, number three, belittling. Now, you have already gone to a low by being crazy in this fight in the first place, and you don't want to admit you're wrong, so what you say is, I'm just going to try to lower you with my words so I can feel like I'm still one up on you. By the way, this is an insecurity issue, and what happens, uh, because you can't, raise your self-esteem up to where it should be, where God sees it, where God wants it to be. You have to bring others down to put them below yourself. And truthfully, it is out of control uh, in, in our political system. It's out of control in our social media. It's out of control in the movies we watch and in the comedy sitcoms we watch. And to live in uncommon communications uh, in our lives, you really have to work at these work at it these days. Now, I was raised with belittling conversation in my family. And I just want you to know, uh, my family thinks it's funny at times. So like my daughters, uh, this, this happened a couple of years ago, but one of them was bending down and uh, raised their head and smacked their head on the counter that was above them. Now, how many would go, ouch, my, my, uh, that happened to Jamie. Jill fell on the floor laughing at her sister. I see some of you are going, oh, you're sick. You're, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. But that's, that's kind of the cotton way. But we know it can, can go a little too far. So there was this couple driving down the road out in the country, and they were belittling each other, saying some nasty things to one another. And as they were driving, they happened to come across the farm with some goats and sheep and pigs. And so the husband thought, this is my chance to get her good. So he says, hey, are those some relatives of yours? Without missing a beat, she said, yep, in-laws. <laughs> so again, men, don't go there. You're not going to win. Which leads to the fourth stage, and this is probably the worst stage. It's called false belief. This is where your words become under demonic influence. Uh, John 8 tells us in our notes, or in your, it's not in your notes, but it tells us the devil is a liar and he's the father of all lies. So one of the ways the devil tries to destroy people is through lies. These lies become part of our reality. And uh, when you don't take the proper steps of communication, you start believing the lies that people spoke over your life. And you begin to think things that are, are not true, but you think they are true, and they're really out only to destroy your relationships and your marriage and everything else that has to do with interaction with other people. So what do we do about all this? Well, we need to take an uncommon approach when it comes to communication 
to express our words as Christians. And Jesus was not silent about this, and neither is the Bible. In fact, uh, it tells us we're going to give account of every word we speak. Look at these verses in Matthew 12 in the Message Bible. Okay, look at this. Let me tell you something. This is Jesus speaking. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation, and words can also be your damnation. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the blood of Jesus, the great eraser of all the things I've said and all the sins I've done. See, Jesus was trying to bring weight to the words that we speak and let us know our words are like seeds and they bring forth fruit or uh, they bring forth death in our lives. And if, if you notice in the, in the verse I read, verse 36, the word reckoning is capitalized. That's because it's talking about an actual day called the day of reckoning, in some translations, the day of judgment, where you and I will have to give an account of every careless word we speak. And then it goes on to say in verse 37 again, words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. Now, we need to realize you and I are the sum of, ev- uh, of all the words that have been spoken over our lives. Some of us have been blessed by uh, words spoken over us, and some of us aren't so blessed by the words that were spoken over us. Uh, I've been very blessed overall in my life to have the parents I've had, where every time I saw them or spoke to them, they, they told me, I love you, over and over again. They hugged us. They, they told me, I believe in you. My mom was probably my biggest fan when it came to ministry, next to my wife, who would call me up every Monday in this church when it first started. She passed away about six years ago. She would call me up every Monday, ask me what I spoke on, and then she would tell me I love you, and then she would say, you're the best pastor ever. I'd say, thank you, Mom. And then, you know, a good wife, too. Most Sundays, Lois, most Sundays, Lois will tell me, that was a great message, and I learned something new today, and it was great. And, and then you can't forget my brother, Pinky. He calls me at least one to two times every day, and sometimes more. And when the phone rings, Lois goes, it's probably Pinky. Are you going to answer it? And I go, yeah, it's Pinky. I'm going to answer it. And then when we're always done with our conversation, she'll say, I love you, Doug the Stud. And I say, and I love you too, Pinky. He doesn't really say that. But he does say he loves me. All right. And then I had a Sunday school teacher that when I was eight years old, there, uh, uh, she would say, there's a call of God on your life, and someday you're going to preach and be a world changer. I had teachers and coaches who believed in me and spoke blessing over my life. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's not fair. That's not the way it's been with me. But I want you to know, Jesus came to heal you from the words that have been spoken negatively over your life. That's why you're here today. You were meant to get healing over the death that was spoken to you. And, and don't think that I haven't had some people say hurtful things to me. In fact, the most hurtful things that have happened to me in my life happened in church, just so you know, all right? So how I many you know Christians can hurt other Christians? Yeah. 
And when I say that, I'm a Christian that have hurt other Christians as well. But I also want you to know that in the, the third verse in, of the Bible, in Genesis 1, it tells us that God took a situation that was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the earth and our God opened his mouth and said, let there be light. And with those words, he created the world. And today, I want you to know God comes to speak over your life where there's been death, where there's been bad fruit, where there's been negativity. And he's saying, let there be light. Come into those void areas where there's been no fruit. And I'm here to tell you today, God's saying, there is greatness in your life. You're a champion in your life. I believe in you. I made you. I got a plan for you. And our Heavenly Father is a good, good Father. He loves you, and he's come to speak light and life into your world of darkness today. Our words are so powerful. We have the ability to create the world that we live in and the world around us. There's a great quote by George Bernard Shaw that says this. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. We tend to think communication has taken place when many times it has, and it's kind of like the husband where the, he's, he was asked, how, ca- how come you never tell your wife you love her? Well, I told her on the day I married her, if it changes, I'll let her know. You know, that's, that's assuming that she knows that he loves her, but he, it, it doesn't come out right. So we tend to think communication has taken place when it hasn't. And if there's a word that we need to insert into our lives and that uh, in our communication, it's this word, intentional, be intentional. If we're more intentional about the words we speak, we won't have to worry about what we shouldn't say, but about all the good stuff we're going to say, all right? So let's finish up with seven types of communication that we can all uh, be more intentional about in our lives. So here's the first one right now, praise. This is where you find the qualities of another person and highlight them with your words. So this is where you fix your eyes on them and say, let me tell you what I see in you. And you, you begin to speak it over the lives. You see it and you speak over them. You're like a prophet in their lives. You're prophesying over their lives. Look at this verse, Proverbs 25, 11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Now picture that for a moment. A solid silver bowl with solid gold apples in it. That means the words we speak over another person uh, is both beautiful and valuable. That's pretty amazing. That means every word we speak should add value to the people we're around. This is why our City Kids teachers are so important. And I'm telling you this, City Kids teachers and assistants are so important because they take the setting that they're put in and speak apples of gold over your children. That's what they're doing in there right now. They find what's going on in your kids' lives, and there's nothing like an adult looking into the eyes of a child and, and seeing their heart and saying, I believe in you. There's a champion inside of you. You're going to change the world and bring glory to God someday. I'm telling you, there's nothing like your life. And it's like you're prophesying over them, and it, it changes their life. All right, now, and then when they leave that classroom, they walk out of there like this because somebody took the time to speak over their lives. I bet every one of you can remember a teacher or a coach that spoke into your life 
F-O-E-D-E. There's a second intentional word, and that's the word thanksgiving. We just need to be more grateful in our communication. Like today, if you go out to eat after service, and your server's running a little bit behind, and maybe looks a little run down, uh, because maybe it could be his or her third job, by the way. And, and you tell them, here's what you should tell them. Instead of complaining at your table, what's taking so long? You say, you know what? You're doing a great job today. And I just want you to know, not only do you tell them that, give them a big tip. You probably don't know it, but almost all waitresses know where you go to church. I'm telling you the truth. So make God look good and make Harbor City Church look good. There, th- this happened years ago at a uh, restaurant that we went to. There was a lady, and she was, she was kind of limping. And, and, and I remember being there with Rick and Jennifer Craker. There was probably maybe eight or ten of us. And she was kind of limping. And so we asked her what was wrong, and she said, oh, I need new shoes, but I can't afford them. And I said, well, how much, how much are the shoes? She said they're about $125. And back then, I think Adamore's was still in, uh, anyway, the place where Adamore's was, the shoe place where you could get these specialized shoes. And after she walked away, Jennifer Craker said, let's take up an offering. Let's bless this lady. I said, there's 10 of us. That's $125. Bucks. There's, that's that's going to be about 12 bucks a piece. And uh, so she said, get in your wallets, get in your purses, and start digging out. And we came up with 125 bucks. And when we left there, we handed her $125. She started crying. And the next day, or the next time I saw her, she had brand new shoes. In fact, that lady comes to this church when she doesn't have to work on Sundays, all because we blessed her, all right? So we need to practice saying thank you. In fact, you need to say this at least 10 times a day. Thank you. Thank you. Say it with me. Thank you. Thank you. Now turn to the person next to you and say, thank you for being you. You know what? When we were raising our kids and Lois made some great meals, we would stand and say, let's give mom a big standing ovation for the meal she made. And we'd stand and give her a... Now the kids weren't easy. I said, come on. If it wasn't for mom, we wouldn't be eating this. Come on. So we'd stand and give her a big standing ovation. And you could just see Lois. She was trying to be humble, but it was, it was there, man. She was, this, this is good. And if she made a great dessert, we gave her a second standing ovation. I'm just telling. It never hurts to tell someone you're thankful for their awesomeness. And even if they don't seem that awesome, because uh, with your words, remember this. You create the world that you want to live in. Look at this verse, Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And notice this next verse that follows it. And it's not by accident. So the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds what is good. That means, honey, can I just tell you what is good about you? That's what it's saying. She will pass out. Then you pick her up and start the conversation over again. And it says this, and receives favor from the Lord because of your conversation. Come on. That's how God works. That's why I got Lois. We tell each other, I guess we got what we deserve. <laughs> and we also say to each other, thank God we're both growing to be more like Jesus. 
We still have a long ways to go, but it, it's working. The next word you want to add to your communication is the word affection. This is where you openly express affection. Now, for a lot of people, they, I've had people say, well, I don't hug. I don't, I don't touch. Uh, and here's what's happened. They've gotten to the place in their lives where, where they can't even say, I love you. Because they think if I tell someone I love them or give them a hug, I'm opening up my life to hurt. So I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. And I just want you to know, that's a lie from the devil. You are only hurting yourself. In fact, let me go as far as to say this. You need to let God come in and heal those hurts from growing up and from being rejected from somebody in your life or in some relationship and begin to openly show affection and God will heal your life. I'm so grateful that I grew up in a home uh, that, that expressed affection. When I married Lois, she was not real affectionate. I didn't know that. I thought she was. But I had to teach her how to hug and to love. And she's just amazing at it now. She's just incredible. I can't keep her off. I have to tell her, I have a headache. Leave me alone. I, I'm tired. I, 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 it's been a tough day. All right. <laughs> but our dad taught us that people need hugs. And we watched him love on a lot of people who were down and out and having a bad day and just needed a hug. We had, he had service, full service gas stations when we were growing up. People would come in to my dad's gas station and, and, and they would pay more money for the gas, just one or two cents more. They would pay more for the gallon of gas just to see a smile, just to get a handshake, and just to get a hug because they needed that lift. And I'm telling you, I, I had a lady tell me today, I came into this church last week and I felt so welcome and I felt so loved. Keep up the work. Good work, church. That's what it's all about. Now, uh, look at this verse. And uh, you can share terms of endearment. Look at this. This is what God does. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Don't you just know? You need to know God says it over you. And can I just say, as your pastor, I think about this church every day, almost all day long. I think about many of you, and I pray for you by name if I can remember your name, all right? And I just want you to know, you're the best church in Grace Harbor, in my book. You're the most loving, the most serving, the most generous, and, and the most caring. And I, I just want you to know that you are the most, in that way, of any church I've ever been part of. And I've been to a lot of churches, and I just want you to know, it's an honor to be your pastor. I love you, church, all right? Come on. Okay, here's a fourth word you want to add to our uncommon communication. That's encouragement. I like this word. It means to find someone discouraged and breathe some courage into them. So this means just turn to their situation around them and speak encouragement. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up to their needs and that it may benefit those who listen. Now, just looking at this verse, don't let any unwholesome uh, words come out of your mouth. You would think it's just saying, don't, don't let cursing come out of your mouth. But when you study it, this word, unwholesome, this is what it means. It means, don't, it means to break down, to tear down, or speak unhealthy words. 
So this verse tells us our words can make others unwhole. Our words can build others up or tear them down and, and uh, make them an unwhole type person. So when we speak, we should build them up according to their need, all right? So most communication is to meet our needs. So when you're talking, how many, when somebody's talking to you, you're thinking about what you're going to say and not even listening to what they're saying. Many of us do that. And so most communication is like that. But he says, if you look to others' needs and take it into account before you speak, then speak your words, it'll be life-changing to the hearer. This means I will actually use my words according to your needs so you will feel built up in the process. And what happens is you're going to benefit from the way you communicate to them and you'll become great, intimate friends. You know, when we were raising our kids, as they were going off to school, we would, we would let them know, listen, kids, you're champions. You're world changers. You're leaders. And, and kids, you, you don't, you, the, don't become a follower. Become a leader. And, and don't let the world change you, but be a world changer today. And we did that almost every single day when we dropped the kids off for school. And yeah, they did some dumb things. I mean, no, everybody does dumb things, especially in their teenage years. But uh, I, I told, told them, and I, I said this, everyone makes mistakes, but that's not who you are. We would tell our girls, you are the most beautiful girls I know. You are class acts, and any man who marries you is going to be a blessed man, and he's getting the treasure of his life, a great mother-in-law and father-in-law. That's what we tell <laughs> Okay, here's the fifth word to add to your notes, kindness. This means you're going to create an environment around you uh, for others that is harmless. This means others feel safe when they are around you. Now, I've had to repent to my wife and my kids, maybe many of you at times, because I can come across harsh sometimes. And every once in a while, I've, I've had to, to work hard where they, they can feel safe around me. One thing I've found is that harshness doesn't work anyway. Look at this verse, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Getting loud and getting your way doesn't change a thing. It actually makes others walk on glass when they're around you. By the way, communication styles are learned. By the way, you are raised, which means you can un learn them, all right? Here's the sixth thing uh, you can add to your communication, uh, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to speak the truth in love. This means uh, it's okay to speak what it's wrong, but it's not okay to delegate, to delegate yourself as the enforcer of what is wrong, to change it. Now, I'm not talking about parenting. We'll get to that in a few weeks, but I'm talking about in marriage and friendships. You speak the truth in love and then let the Holy Spirit do the changing. Look at this verse, Ephesians 4.15. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. It says that Jesus in John 1.14, this is not in your notes, but John 1.14 tells us that Jesus was full of truth, which means he didn't pull any punches, but it also says he was full of grace which means here's the way out. So he gives you truth, and then he gives you grace. And he is truth and grace, 
And that's what we have to aspire to in our lives. I'm going to say what I believe, but in such a way where you would want to do it, not be intimidated in me making you do it. So you speak the truth with love, with grace. Now, I like the way Chris Hodges says it in our freedom groups. If you've heard him speak at all, but he does this in one of the lessons. And this is not on your notes, but you might want to write down somewhere. He says this, truth without grace is just me. Truth without grace is just me. And I, I, I grew up this way. Well, that's just the way cottons do it. We just say it like it is. And you throw up all over everybody. And it's me. But here's the second thing you need to write down. Grace without truth is meaningless. So you, you can just, in other words, you could say to your son or your daughter, I know you're burning the house down, but, but daddy and mommy love you anyway. That, that's, I mean, well, that's meaningless, right? I started a few fires in my life. Started a tree on fire next door to the neighbors. It had pitch all over it. Thought I was cold, so a friend of mine and me wanted to get a little campfire going. And fire went up the tree. My mom and dad didn't come and say, that's okay, son, we love you anyway. You're going to burn down the forest, no big deal. No, they went, what are you doing? Well, we borrowed matches from the neighbor and we did it. Anyway, the fire department came and they spoke the truth without love. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay, so uh, let me just say this. Here's the last thing you can write down with this. Truth and grace together is medicine for your soul. It's truth and grace together. So here's the seventh word that will give us uncommon communication, and that's the word prayer. This is where you need to say, come on, let's just pray. Now, my wife has taught me more in this area than any person I know. Uh, when, when we go to Safeway sometimes or, or over to Walmart or Swanson's, uh, we'll be in the store and somebody will see us and come up and begin to express. We'll say, how you doing? And, and sometimes... I'm thinking, why did I say that? Because it's going to take longer than normal. But we'll also just look at him and say, let's just pray right now. And we'll pray right there in the store. We went to a basketball game the other night. And we saw a good friend of ours that we haven't seen for quite a while. And she's battling cancer. And uh, uh, I was sitting next to Cameron. And uh, Cameron goes, your wife's going for it, man. She is a go-getter. I said, what? And I turned around, and here's Lois praying for this lady who's fighting cancer right there in the middle of a ball game and just saying, we, let's just pray, let's just pray. I'm telling you, your marriage will change. Whenever you're facing stuff, you just turn to them and say, why don't we pray about it? Let's stand. Look at this verse, Psalm 16, 8 through, 8 through 9. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Now, we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. If I can have uh, the prayer people come on up. If you need, I, I really believe some of you need healing in your souls for words that were spoken of over you. And, and you need to make room today to let God speak over your life. And I'll come and pray for you in just a moment. But I'm asking as we pray, as we worship, I'm asking you to have the guts to get out of your seat because the Bible says if you come up and share it with somebody else, you can be healed. All right? 
So let somebody pray for you and let God heal your soul in the inward parts of your life. Let's worship. Let's come. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. that we spoke 
things over that we should have never spoken. Help them to make room in their hearts to forgive us for things we said. Provide opportunities for us to be able to ask for forgiveness. And I pray, God, there'll be miracles of words being erased this week and room for you in our hearts and minds. Lastly, I want us to all take responsibility for our words. So Lord, together, would you just raise your hands with me and surrender? Father, we surrender our words to you. Lord, you said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Lord, we ask this week, you will help us. You will help us to be more intentional with our words. That we'll speak words of praise. We'll speak words of thanksgiving, words of affection, words of encouragement, words of kindness, words of truth and love. And Lord, that we'll take the time to just pray and ask for you to come into every situation we face. Lord, make us people of intentional words of your grace and of your truth in Jesus' mighty name. Now, with every head still bowed, every eye closed, one of the things that that we need to know, none of this is possible on your own. You cannot do this on your own strength. So it all starts with giving your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you today need to get right with God, and some of you are far, far away from God. You gave your life one time, but you're not even sure if you died today, you'd be right with the Lord. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. No, don't worry about what anybody else thinks, but you know the Holy Spirit's drawing you, and I'm, I'm telling you, today is your day. So if that's you, raise your hand right now. Say, I need to get right with God. I need to come home to Him. Raise them high so I can see them. Thank you. One, two, three. Anyone else? Four. Anyone else? Raise them high so I can see them. Thank you. Five. All right. Here's what we do. Thank you. Six. Here's what we do here. We say this prayer by faith. You believe it in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. And you become a child of a living God. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Now, if you gave your life to Jesus today, you can come up here. You can get some materials from these folks here. You can text this, uh, the word SAVE, and then that number and we'll get back to you immediately and help you begin to grow in your walk with God. Here's what you need to do next. Here's your next steps. Get in a fresh start, start growing, get a foundation in your life, and get water baptized. That's the next step of obedience. I guarantee you, if you don't get water baptized, you won't grow in Christ if you can't obey the next step. Get baptized in water. God bless you. You're dismissed.